We've been looking at uh, 2 Corinthians over the last few months, and interspersed with that has been this, the whole heroes of faith, looking at uh, the example of especially Old Testament saints in faith. But what you probably haven't noticed <laughs> is sprinkled in over the whole year have been um, four or five, half a dozen talks about our vision and our vision um, statement and what it's all about. So this morning, the title for this morning is um, Expect the Kingdom Manifest. Expect the Kingdom Manifest. Because that's what we're called to do as, as biblical, Bible-promise-believing Christians. We're supposed to expect God to do stuff. Now, I get it. Life is quite a lot of the time, isn't it? technical theological phrase you know how to spell it you'll save theologians a lot of space but it, it is we came in this morning Denise gone is she you know, a friend of Denise has lost their son he's 21 it's horrible unexpected reminded us you know, we lost our nephew when he was 23 24 and Wendy lost her cousin, Stephen, when he was 17. Look at that, I remember the detail. Brownie points for me. But um, um, we've all got stuff. We've all got stuff. We've got family who died too young. Maybe not that young, but still too young in their 50s or their 60s, which is still too young. And we've all got stuff. But the promise is your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Where two or three of you are gathered, there I am. Is he here? The Lord is here. The Lord is here. You can reply if you want to, you do the response. It's a, <laughs> his spirit is. Should we try it? The Lord is here. His is Amen. And that's not a hope, is it? It's a truth. Do you carry the Holy Spirit of God within you? Well, then your spirit is here. And then Jesus says, when two or three are gathered, not only is he here, but he's here. Because he's here anyway, but when two or three are gathered in his name, so not just when we prop up, you know, um, turn up at Tesco or whatever it is, but when we consciously gather in his name, he is, he is manifestly here. He doesn't take us to a place that's separated from the pain and the problems and the struggles. He meets us in the pain and the problems and the struggles. And sometimes those pains and the problems and the struggles then go away because they've been demonically inspired. And sometimes they stay because they're just part of what life is. The reason we've been talking a lot about get the devil off that, deal with this demonic issue and blah, 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 is because we put up with too much rubbish. We've been taught for a long time life is hard and we've got to meet God in the midst of it, but sometimes then we put up with too much. And, of course, there is a balance. It's not going to be sweetness and light all the time. We're not going to be healthy and wealthy permanently. But God does provide and God does heal. So what I want to do is find out when it's demonic so that we can get rid of that and not miss out on what God's for us. 
But nor do I want to deny the fact that life is hard, often. But you know, our life feels hard. But let me take you to eastern Ukraine. We can't afford the electricity. They haven't got any. You know? I heard something on the radio this morning. A young, a young mum in the UK finding it difficult to feed. You've lost... What's happened? Did, did you forget? Did you left her outside? <laughs> she's gone somewhere. But she's struggling to heat her flat and feed herself and the baby. And then the next article was in the Ukraine where the woman's not struggling to heat or feed. There is no light and heating and there is no food and it's a bombsite. Now, the first one's horrible and the second one is beyond horrible. The prince of this world is causing so many things. Did you hear the thing in the week? That... Uh, the CPS have actually deemed, the CPS, Crown Prosecution Service, deemed parts of the Bible are, a f sorry? Are hate speech. First legal thing, first legal statement. Now, it comes out of a case of somebody who should have been a bit more sensible about the way they spoke to somebody else, but all they were doing was quoting scripture, and... Now the legal, the legal system is starting to say that the Bible is hate speech. It's not a good world we face. It's not great things that are coming. But what's our expectations in the midst of that? I don't know what, you, what comes to mind when you think... I might look at my text in a minute and see what's going on. I don't know what comes to mind when you think of the word expectation... What forms your expectations, not just of God, but of anything? You know, If you're a QPR fan, I feel sorry for you. If Toby was here, he'd tell you. you know, our expectation is we might not lose too badly. <laughs> because that's actually our experience. Actually, QPR are a weird team. If they're playing a team at the top of the league, we're likely to win. And if we're playing a team at the bottom of the league, we're likely to lose, which is just perverse, isn't it? But there are some teams out there like that who can play. But what your expectation is based on your experience. So if you've grown up under hard circumstances, it's difficult to have an expectation of plenty, isn't it? Because your experience is not to have plenty. But if you've grown up under easy circumstances where your folks have been able to provide anything and everything that you've needed. Oh, that's most of our youth. Morning, chaps. Out there, yeah? Well, we don't give them everything. No, but in comparison, they get a lot, don't they? They get a lot more than we used to when we were kids as well, don't they? Sorry. <laughs> but our expectation is... Gen generation today expects it on a plate. Well, who's giving it to them on a plate? It's us. So their expectations are built on what they've experienced. Our expectations are 
my parents' generation's expectations was built on their experience of living through a war. Their parents living through two wars. If you go back 100 years and look at the quality of life for a, a middle-income person in 1922 compared to 2022, it's absolutely... You know, it's, the difference is huge. We wouldn't put up with it. But they were living the good life. But we wouldn't put up with it. They had a toilet. It was outside and it was cold. But they had one. They had running water. But they still had to boil a kettle. All this sort of stuff. We've got used to. What are our expectations based on? So what are our expectations of God based on? Who? Are we a Bible-believing fellowship? Are we Bible-believing Christians? That's, that's our basic thing, isn't it? That we believe the Scriptures. So why do we live like the Scriptures are not true? Because our experience says. There's a theology out there that says God doesn't heal, and he stopped healing in the second century when the Scriptures were closed. Do you know what that theology is based on? It's not based on Scripture, it's based on experience. Because the people that put that theology forward hadn't experienced the power and the healing power of God, so therefore he doesn't heal. And, and when he does apparently heal other people, it's got to be wrong. And it's got to be heresy, and it's got to be demonic, or it's got to... Because in my experience, it doesn't work, therefore it, my experience must be right, mustn't it? Well, how many of us here this morning, you know, we can, if we all go on my experience, then we've got... 60-odd different versions of the truth. That's another cultural thing. Truth is not relative. It's not my truth and your truth and let's make them work. Now, I think that that mindset is good in so many areas, but when it comes to scripture, when it comes to fundamental faith, this is true or it's not. And that's not just because I'm that in-between generation. Truth is truth is truth. There is such a thing as objective truth. And the great thing we have is, is objective truth for us isn't a set of principles. Objective truth isn't even the words on the page. Objective truth is a person whose name is Jesus. So not only do we know the truth, but we can experience the truth and know I just, you know, Fred's not just there. I've just shaken hands with him. He's real. Did you know that? You may, may all have a concept of Fred. You may even have heard Fred's voice every now and again. But actually, you can come up and experience Fred. <laughs> Sorry, Fred. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? And you don't have to be married to him. Gene is looking slightly scared at this point. <laughs> what is our expectations built on? Maybe it's built on, built on what other people have said to us about what a Christian should be. Clergy, friends, non-Christians. Church should be perfect, shouldn't it? And church leaders should be perfect. Yeah? yeah? <laughs> Thanks. 
See me afterwards for a poke in the eye. <laughs> we had a conversation with somebody yesterday who they weren't, they were trying hard not to say it, but that's what they meant. Church has let me down because it's not perfect. Church leaders have let me down because they're not perfect. Come on, who's on PCC? There you go, have a quick look around, hands down. Right. Who leads home groups? Right. Who's on prayer? Hands down, who leads prayer teams? Who's on prayer? Who's been on prayer team? Sorry, who's on prayer team? I think virtually everybody's put their hand up somewhere. Do you know when you have a moan about leaders, you're moaning about yourself? You do know that. Because we all lead in some shape or form. Oh, junior church, you know, youth, whatever it is, wherever it is, we're all going to put our hands up somewhere. <coughs> Site team, putting stuff out. Everybody leads. Oh, no, I only do sound. I only do... No, you lead. You know how you can tell somebody's leading? It's their, their capacity to mess things up <laughs> that proves they're leading. So if you can do something that messes it up, then we're leading. That's all of us, isn't it? So when we hear stuff about cliques, when we hear stuff about the leaders do this and the leaders do that, sorry, get that large mirror out and put it in front of you and say the same things. I'm not having to go at you. I'm just saying... We're all in the same boat here. And we are supposed to lead the world. Because we're better? No, because we know one who has the words of eternal life. Because we know one who knows the way through the maze of life. Because we know one who is the truth that sets us free. Because we know one who brings us life. Laurie hasn't quoted scripture yet. Yes, I have, if you've been listening. Several times. What sets our expectations? This is question one. Matthew chapter six. Neil, Neil's now going, thank goodness for that. <laughs> Matthew chapter six. This then is how you should pray. This is scripture. And this is a prayer that is prayed every Sunday in this church. Okay, we might not pray every Sunday here. But it's prayed every Sunday. In fact, if you do the 8 o'clock service, we pray it twice. Apparently that's one of the things I put back in the service when I arrived. Do you know why I put it back in the service? Because the service says pray it twice. Okay. Again, I had a conversation with somebody, well, you're not interested in the 8 o'clock. No, that's why we do it properly. When we do it, of course I'm interested. If I wasn't interested, I wouldn't bother to record it, let alone be present at it. So, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, Harold be your name, all that stuff. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Do we mean that? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His will in heaven never misses. His thoughts and his desires in heaven are perfect. So his will and his thoughts and his desires on earth are perfect. What God does into the world is perfect. There's nothing wrong with the transmitter. It's the receiver that's got the problem. Oh, you're so-called God. No, no, my God, 
our God, your God, actually, if only you knew it. And we as a church say, God, your kingdom, as it is in heaven, there's only sickness in heaven. Only cancer in heaven. Is there any relationship breakdown in heaven? Is there anybody on the road to hell in heaven? Your kingdom be on earth as it is in heaven. And who's going to bring it about? Careful. Two right answers here. God, or Jesus, and us. Because he's chosen to work through us. And of course, he works through us because we're perfect, aren't we? Careful. Are we? Yes, we are. <laughs> but no, we're not. The old has gone, the new has come. You are a new creation. But along with me, I'm assuming, you muck it up from time to time. Because we don't think perfectly. We don't speak perfectly. We don't act perfectly. But do we let our fallenness and our mistakes shape our expectation or do we let this scripture shape our expectation? I wonder if you know where I'm going next. John 14. Are we starting on verse 8? That's good. Philip said, now this is, did we have verse 8 on Thursday? No, we didn't. We stopped at verse 7. Verses 1 to 7 are often read at a funeral service. Yeah, in my father's house are many rooms, all that stuff. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that'll be enough for us. Yeah, from our perspective, we want to go, oh, come on, Philip. You're talking to Jesus. Is, that, is he not enough for you? Clearly not. Why? Because Philip, the penny hasn't dropped for Philip yet, has it? Despite spending time with Jesus. Jesus said, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time. Anyone who has seen the Father, has seen me, has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Keep going. Don't you believe I am in the Father, the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own, rather it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. So if God is Father, Son and Holy Spirit, and we are indwelt by Holy Spirit, then the Son and the Father also dwell in us. So if, who's doing his work in us? The Father. Just as he's doing his work in Jesus. Okay, if you, you can't quite handle the Father being in you because we don't use that phrase very often. Okay, Jesus in you? Yeah? So who's doing the work in Jesus? The Father, and who's doing the work in you? Jesus, okay. So he's doing the work in us. Remember that, he's doing the work in us. And I love this next phrase, believe in me, Jesus says, when I say I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. And even if you don't believe the words, at least believe the evidence of the miracles. Of course, we should never believe experience, should we? We should always just believe what is spoken. That's how some of us have been brought up in the church. 
It's all about the word, 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 the word. But what about the miracles? And I'm not, oh, he's weird, charismatic, wacky, stupid vicar. Okay, weird, charismatic, stupid Jesus then. Because he's saying believe the miracles. Hands up if you've seen a miracle. Okay, but hands down. Look left. Look to your left. Look to your right. You see the people in front of you and behind you? Yes? They're born again? Yes? Hands up, everybody. You've seen a miracle. You're looking, you're looking at one if you're looking at me. We are all miracles. The greatest miracle of all is that somebody is born again. Oh, and there's healing, and there's inner healing, and there's transformation, and, and, and. Release from addiction, release from this, release from that. Next bit. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. We've been on that verse before. Does this shape our expectations? Or do you just go, oh, it's just Laurie off on his thing again? Well, I'm off on my thing again because it's in the, um, in the um, Bible. If my thing is going off on the thing in the Bible, then I'll keep going off on it. Oh, and, and this isn't even Paul, is it? Or John? Or who's this speaking? So even if you want to be picky about bits of the Bible, this is the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus are much more radical and much more weird than anything else we read. By our culture, we are called to be extraordinarily weird. Just believing there is such a thing as God is weird. Did you see the survey this week? Less than 50% of people... You do realise that's a whole load of cobblers, don't you? And could be completely ignored. Just because you say you're Christian, you know, the Evangelical Alliance has been saying, 20 years ago the Evangelical Alliance was saying 12% of people were Christians. Now they say it's under 5%. So it's not, oh my goodness, it's under 50%. It's why have we not woken up to the fact it's only 5% for the last five years? There's lots of people around, and I'm not just talking about evangelicals. These are people who are regular churchgoers. These are people who, and even some of them are not. Anyway, do, do, this is the 50% going on. Who used to go in a previous generation? What, what religion? Oh, C of E. I will do whatever you ask for in my name. So that the Son may bring glory to the Father. I will do whatever you ask for in my name. Do you know what the Greek understanding of that word whatever it means? It means whatever. We can't tie it down. It means whatever you ask. The key is in my name. So that isn't, Lord, I want a Porsche in your name. Amen. That's, Lord, what do you want me to have? That's in your name. It's that attitude that wants what he wants. And... You may ask me for anything in my name, 
and I will do it. So many people stop there. If you love me, you will obey what I command. So what's he commanded? Go and do the things that he's been doing. And even greater things than these. Scared? But is it true? And if God has said it, is it solid ground? And even if you look stupid, sorry, is it still solid ground? It was great sharing the gospel with that undertaker on Thursday. But the Lord gave me a great big wallop up the behind. Because he said to me, that was great, wasn't it? Yeah, wonderful. So why haven't you had the confidence to do that? Again and again and again and again and again and again. I've, I've got a good friend who's he's a national evangelist in the Church of England, a guy called Greg Downs. Was he in St Andrews at one point? I think he was, wasn't he? He was definitely in High Wycombe. He did his curacy in High Wycombe. And he keeps leading people to Jesus. Do you know why? Because he keeps asking them. And he keeps inviting them. He'll be in a coffee shop and he'll talk to people. And he won't just talk to people and have a good... He'll ask, well, do you want to know Jesus now? Now, he's in a great position. He can normally push them towards a particular church at that point. But why is it easy for him and not for me? Because he just gets on and does it. And guess what? It's like riding a bike. The more you do it, the easier it is. I haven't ridden a bike for so long now, I'd probably have to think about it, getting back on it. But I think I could still ride one. Because I've ridden one in the past, I could have the, I'll have the confidence to ride one, even if I've got to think about it. What shapes our expectations? I, and do you know what? Bringing it down to these three scriptures was hard. But they're the three I've put up. Oh, no, there's one more, isn't there? 2 Corinthians one twenty. Duh. <laughs> Thank you. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. All those promises are yes in Christ. No, all those promises. Stop it. I can hear some of you, I can hear your brains going, well, it can't be all of them, can it? Can't be. Surely some of them. All. It's, what does it say? Doesn't matter how many promises God has made, they're yes in Christ. And then there's a response. This is the and us bit. And through us, let it be. Like Mary, let it be to me. Careful, I'm now on Wendy's ground for this evening. She's talking about uh, Mary tonight. But let it be to me as you have said. Maybe that's our prayer this morning. Let it be to me as you have said. Scripture, primarily. But you might have prophetic words that are in line with Scripture. Let it be to me as you have said. So, what forms our expectations? Secondly, what does the kingdom manifest look like? Well, it is simply the presence of Jesus experienced. But what does that mean? Do you know what? It means different things to different people. It means different experiences. 
You could pray for someone to be healed, and that's what you want, but the person experiences Jesus and has the most amazing sense of peace. When my grandfather became a Christian at 66, he had lung cancer. And I saw a man experience God deeply, transformed from a cantankerous old git to a loving... <laughs> he was always lovely to the family, he could just a cantankerous old git to everybody else. But he changed so deeply, and he died of cancer within the year. And I'm praying, Lord, heal him. And the Lord kept saying, I have. I said, no, heal him. I have. You know why he died? He smoked 15 cigarettes a day for 60 years. Nearly, well, 50-odd years. That's why he died, not because God wanted him to, but because he poisoned his body, for goodness sake. But God healed him. Our kingdom manifest is always the presence of Jesus and it will not always fit our expectations he is the God of surprises if you've ever read that book he is the God of surprises he does things differently and he so put your preconceived ideas down now it used to be if you're of that generation I've only experienced God if I felt fuzzy or I started to shake or I've fallen over have we experienced God in manifest ways in here over the last year or so? Yeah? How many people have fallen over? None. Do you know why? It doesn't matter. Now, if when we worship in a minute and you fall over, great. But it's not falling over that matters. It's how you get back up that counts. It's the encounter with God that changes you. If you shake in his presence, wonderful. That's why the Quakers were called the Quakers, because they quaked in the presence of God. But it's not the end of the game. You don't do it for the experience, you do it for the transformation. So our expectations, and the other thing about our expectations, our expectations will not be met, but will always be exceeded. So he won't fit our shape, but he'll always do more than we could possibly imagine or ask. There he goes, quoted scripture again. Ephesians 3, 14. He always does more than we can imagine. Sorry, is this beyond your expectations? What's shaping your expectations? Sorry, but that's question one again, isn't it? So question, two, the, question one, what shapes your expectations? Then... What does the kingdom manifest mean? It's the presence of Jesus. And the problem we have is we have a poverty of expectation. Part of our culture is that we're scared to be presumptuous. As British people, we are scared to be presumptuous. Oh, I couldn't possibly. The number of people who come for a prayer appointment now trying not to look at anybody... Can I look at you, Neil? Because you don't do this. Is right. Would you like a cup of tea? Oh, no, no, it's fine. I'm having one. Oh, go on then. That's a poverty spirit at work. Guess what? If I said, do you want a cup of tea? Do you know what I mean? What do I mean? I mean, do you want a cup of tea? And I'm willing to make you one. So the, do you want a cup of tea? Oh, no, thank you. 
actually is saying, you can shove your hospitality. Do you know what? If I didn't want you to have a cup of tea, I wouldn't offer you one. Or I'd forget to buy the drink. I'm sorry. That's fine. She's looking at me now. She isn't. She <laughs> went out for a chat and I went to the bar to buy myself a drink and you. And I came back with mine <laughs> and forgot, didn't I? Sorry. Our fear of presumption. And we're so scared of triumphalism. If we were South Americans, the way the England football team is playing at the moment, that we'd be out flipping, banging our horns on the cars and did, you know, doing all the stuff and making loads of noise about it. But we sit there going, oh, no, I don't think we'll get past the quarterfinals. <laughs> There's a poverty of expectation that is deeply rooted in our culture. And it reflects in the way we approach God. It's not presumption to believe the promises. It's obedience. It's not presumption to believe the promises. It's obedience. And it's not triumphalism to declare the victory. It's just truth. Has Christ won the victory for us? Over sin? Death? The world and the devil? Yes. Has he? Yes. Okay, shall we try and mean it this time? Has he? Yes. Hallelujah. This is why British people don't do hallelujah. Preach it, brother. We don't do it. But I'll be honest, if you look, when Jared first preached here, he went, they're really quiet. And what I had to say to him was, that's our cultural way of showing you respect. Because we're listening to you. He said, yeah, but the odd amen, or hallelujah, would be quite nice because you get some feedback. You're lot, you lot are better because at least you laugh or groan at the jokes. <laughs> I've preached in various places. And somebody come up and go, you were really funny. I go, I didn't notice. <laughs> We've got to deal with our culture, our culture of, ex of poverty, of expectation. It's shot through the church. It's shot through our theology. It's shot through our experience. It's shot through our culture out there. It's... Ugh. That's what it is. It's horrible. Because we're missing out. And I'm not saying that selfishly. We, we are missing out on seeing the kingdom manifest. We are missing out in seeing people come to faith. We are missing out in seeing what God wants in the community. Even if the community don't want it. We've gone live this week with the plans. So we'll have upset the community again. By, but they've lost. How can they go again? Talk to David sometime, if you can find him. He'll tell you what's going on. So, our culture of expectation. We need to change our expectations. And whose job is that? Ours. God will stand, wa God will stand waiting to change our expectations. Go, I want to change you, I want to change you. But if he, we sit with our arms folded, and I want to change you, ah, now... We can do something. 
move you, stand you up, put you somewhere. It's only when we choose. Is he sovereign? Yes. Is he in charge? Yes. But he won't force you. Not because he's an English gentleman, but because he loves you so much, he wants you to choose the place of transformation. Those are people who come for prayer appointments over the last few months. Well, I've come because you've told me to come. Nope, not true. It was an invitation to come. And those that haven't come, it's okay. Don't, don't have to. But you're invited. You know you can come for a prayer appointment any time. Ruth will gratefully receive. Yeah? Any time. This is me inviting you all, any time. Just wait till after the 22nd of December. Yeah? <laughs> and do you know what's been the great, the great fun of the last three months? Doing all these prayer appointments. It's wonderful. A huge privilege. Huge privilege. So, you're going to change? You're going to ask God to change your expectations? You're going to take his hand and let you go? We're going to spend, I don't know, We'll spend the time it takes in the Lord's presence and just see where we go. And do you know what? If you get to the point where you go, actually, that's enough for me, then please do. Don't wait for us to finish. Feel free to sign. This isn't your permission all to leave all at once now. That would be rather sad. But let's stay in his presence as long as we can and let him be. But if you need to get off, even if you're in the band... <laughs> then that's fine. But we'll go for a bit. It's not going to be hugely long, but we'll go for a bit and just see what happens. You engage with God. I can't do it. I can't do it for you. But we will worship, join the worship, engage with the Lord. Ask him to change your expectations. And then... Ask him to show you the kingdom manifest here on earth.